Welcome to season seven of Franchise Findings. This is your host, Patrick Fundaro. We're gonna continue to interview franchisees of some very large franchise organizations as well as emerging concepts, as well as founders and top professionals in the franchising space. I hope you enjoy our podcast as well as today's episode. Joined by Bob Moore today, who was a multi-unit franchisee. He's done development at some of the largest franchise brands. And four years back, he joined United Water Restoration Group, also known as UWRG, and was promoted recently to president. So congrats on that, Bob. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate it. And thank you for the time with you today. Looking forward to it. Yeah, no, definitely. So you have a pretty expansive career in, in the franchising realm. I'd love if you could just walk me through why franchising and then how and why you ended up at United Water Restoration Group. Sure. That's a great question. So I knew at a very young age that I wanted to own my own business at some point in time. And, uh, you know, as I looked around at, at the opportunities, you know, I was struggling a little bit with, with what kind of business do I want to, to get into? And I remember I worked one summer in a pizza place and it was fun, fast paced. And from what I could see from the owner, he did very well for himself. So I said, hey, let's do pizza. And that's what guided me towards Domino's. Candidly as well, I'm former military in, in the Army. And, and uh, basically, it was founded by Tom Monahan, who was a Marine. And I know he had oh, a lot of systems and structure. So for me, it kind of was just a, a natural fit. So I started with them. And I spent 13 years with Domino's. The first six, I worked for corporate and various franchise owners. And then the last seven, as you said, I was a multi-unit franchisee. So I've been on both sides of the, the franchise business model. And it seems like Domino's really created that model where you've got to start uh, from within. And then if you're good and you prove yourself, then we'll award you a license and we'll get the financials. Money is on an issue. We'll, we'll figure out the money somehow. Right. There were so many people. That was the case, right? Like if you could figure out and, and run a, a pizza store well, we'll find a way to, you know, link you with the money and, and those type of things. It was really interesting and neat. Um, but it was a great organization and I, and I love being a part of it. Um, during my time, I started when Tom Monahan founded the company and franchised when he, when he owned the company. Um, and then Bain Capital bought it and they were making a bunch of changes and some of which I didn't necessarily agree with, but hey, they earned that right. They wrote the big check for it, right? So um, I just made the decision at that point to, to go ahead and, and sell my stores and, you know, move on from at that point in time. So. And what made you move on to working, going back to working at the franchisor level rather than becoming a franchisee of another brand? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. I had a lot of people ask me, how can you go from being your own boss to going back and working for someone else, much less a, a franchisor. And I always, I always tell people when I have my pizza stores, I, you know, yes, I, I was my own boss and I own the, the, my franchise, but I always ran it in a way that I was there to serve my team, right? They ran my pizza stores and things like that. So I would, I would, this is showing how old I am. I'd carry a pager. And when my stores got busy, I'd come, you know, I, they'd call me in, I'd come in and I'd ask the manager, what do you need me to do? You need me to deliver pizzas? You need me to make pizzas, whatever. It's still your store. I'm just here to help you. So it wasn't a huge stretch for me to go back working for someone else. And the way actually I got linked up with the next company I worked for, Service Master, was through a Service Master franchisee. We were both very involved in the local chamber of commerce. And I, I used to do a lot of the leadership teaching there as a way to promote my pizza business. And when he found out I sold my stores, he called the, the vice president of operations and said, this guy is actually looking to stay within franchising. You need to hire him. And that's how I ended up getting hooked up with Service Master. 
And while you were at Service Master, what was that growth like? Because I know they added a lot of units and were eventually sold off to the private equity group. Yeah, that did. And that was, you know, a little bit before that time. Um, I ended up working as the West Coast Operations Director. So I ran five states of, of, of territory for corporate. Um, I was based out of California and I had California, Arizona, Nevada, Alaska, and Hawaii. It was a, a great time to be with the brand. I love the brand, still in touch with a handful of people with it and things like that. But we supported 134 franchisees in my region. We had a handful of janitorial franchisees, a handful of carpet cleaning only, but the lion's share of our revenue came from disaster restoration. So this is kind of my second stint in the restoration space on the franchisor side. And yeah, the the money's quite large in the in the disaster restoration. Like yeah. I met one one franchisee that was doing like ten mil plus on an annual yeah. basis, just doing disaster restoration. It, it's not uncommon. It's it's kind of a, a crazy market. Most people don't realize the size of the restoration market and how large it is. Because unless you've had a pipe bust or you've had some reason to call our company out, most people don't even know there's a restoration industry, you know. Um, <laughs> but it's it's quite large and uh, and growing because of a you know any number of reasons because of the freak weather and I mean you can't put on social media right now without seeing Why? you know horrific you know stories of whether it be fires or floods and hailstorms and everything else. So and is it also just people are more environmentally conscious and you know are more mindful of mold and all different types of yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, recently we've gotten better educated about the harmful effects of mold in, in, the, in the home and, and things like that. Um, COVID certainly didn't, didn't hurt when people were kind of cooped up in their homes. They became much more aware of their surroundings and, you know, as, as home improvement projects started and things like that, they uncovered things that, that might have, you know, gone unnoticed before, you know, but by spending more time in their home, it's like, okay, well, let's go ahead and get this fixed. So. Where does United Water Restoration Group kind of sit in the area of cleaning restoration? Like, I know there's other franchises. Are there corporations, independents? Could you tell me yeah. a little bit more about this sure. industry? So in, in the restoration space, you, you kind of lump it in a few different areas. You have all the franchise companies, um, and then you have the, in, the independents out there. Um, it's, one, and it's, it's one of those good and bad things. I think like in any industry, you have that, right? Um, in the restoration industry, I think, one of the opportunities we have is is a pretty fragmented marketplace. Like I've seen in just the last month, two brand new restoration companies pop up here in Florida, right? So one van and from looks of it, they seem to be pretty small. I look it up. One of them didn't have a website, right? So it <laughs> might've been someone who worked for another company, right? And they started. So it's a, it's kind of a, one of the things that happens in our industry because you have a, a low bar in terms of investment to get started, right? But you do have a lot of independence, but that creates a lot of opportunity for a well-run company that has good systems and structures in place to come in and kind of grab market share pretty quickly because a little bit more professional image and things like that, more proven systems and structures within the franchise and things like that. Now, don't get me wrong. You have some fabulous independent restoration companies out there as well. They just don't seem to be as prevalent as the the smaller, you know, independent that he referred to himself as I, I'm a truck in a truck. You know, I'm not looking to build a huge company. I'm looking to keep myself busy and, you know, so. And is it probably different jobs? Like I'd imagine some of your franchisees are getting pretty big insurance type work, no? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. We, in our model, you know, we teach our franchisees to, that we work for the homeowner or the business owner. Most of the checks are paid by their insurance, right? Yeah. Um, 
but it, at the same time, it, ultimately, that is who we're working for uh, to help put their home the or decision their decision maker is the yeah. business owner. Or, yeah. Or yeah, basically, you know. And what do you do to help your your franchisees get started fast? Because I, sure. I know you you did brick and mortar where you know maybe a, a pizza restaurant's easier to get up up and going than like a Dunkin' Donuts, but it still takes a long time to find the site, do the build out, break even. Right. I imagine you guys can can break even a lot faster. Sure, I mean because it's not we're not looking for high dollar space. You know most. Customers don't really visit our locations. It's really just employees, you know. So even like if a customer needs to drop a check off, we're still in the restoration industry. We have corporate locations, so we're always trying to learn and get better. And one of the things that we found out is, wow, it doesn't make good labor sense to send a technician to go pick up a check. There has to be a way to do that with technology. So we found an app that basically we can send that customer a link via text, and they can use that software and they can disperse funds from that. So we don't have to send the technician there anymore. You know, so to your point, I mean, our our space is easy to find, easy to get into, and and they don't need, you know, prime retail space. Now, the way we get our franchisees up and going and is, and is a cornerstone of, of, I think, of the DNA of our company is through relationships. You know, our founders, um, you know, they they still buy equipment from the same company they did when they founded the company. Um, there's a number of our vendors that they've been you know, the same vendors that we've been doing business with since 2008, that power of relationships is, is, is really kind of runs through the veins of our company. And that's what we keep. I heard for a lot of franchise groups, it was key during COVID where you could still get supplies. You, you could still get what you needed to service your, your customers, where if you were just an independent, like you were kind of on the bottom of the list. Yeah. You know, that, that's a really great point. And it, and it kind of, you know, really illustrates what I'm talking about in terms of the power of relationships, because we bought equipment from that same company since 2008. When COVID started, they actually called us and said, hey, we're getting a run on all the PPE and masks and everything else. You ought to look at your inventory and, and check your franchisees inventory to see how they're doing, because we're probably going to run out. They didn't have to do that. Yeah. But because of the relationship and, you know, we've always looked at them as a partner in helping us grow our business. Because of that type of mentality is where they proactively picked up the phone and called us and said, hey, you know, take a look at that. So it's very clearly a partnership on the, the vendor side and, and the longevity there. And obviously franchisees, it's what is it, a 10 year contract they're signing? Yep. 10 year contract and 10 year renewal. So we're, what, we're what do you look for in franchisees? Because you're essentially so. partnering for the long run. Sure. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it. We always, you know, my team is we have discovery days and we have prospects come through. We talk a lot about, Hey, do we think they're going to be a good fit, you know, with, with the culture, you know, because yeah. we're small. I mean, listen, we have a lot of great competitors out there who are much larger than us and we're a small emerging brand. But part of the beauty of that is, is we're like a family, right? Like, you know, we're small enough to where, you know, franchisees aren't just a number, you know, I know all their names and, and things like that. And, and, you know, so we have a lot of questions about that. Was, hey, do we think this is going to be a good fit? And, and that is part of our criteria is, is we talked about who is it going to be a good fit coming on board. And is there like a kind of a persona that you've seen has done really well? Like, is it someone that already ran a business or someone that was doing more sales in the corporate life? What type yeah. of persona or multiple personas have you seen that have thrived in the UWRG system? 
Sure. That's a great question. So I, I think for me is, you know, are they clear on what they're looking for, right? In terms of goals for owning a business and what are they clear eyes, eyes wide open to understand that they're getting in a emergency services business because it is very different than ordering a brick and mortar that has defined hours and things like yeah. that. We had, you know, the deep freeze that hit way down into the South this past year. We had franchisees that had crews busy from Christmas day all the way through, you know, into beginning of February, seven days a week. So it is a different type of business. So I, I look at them, prior business ownership isn't a requirement, but I look for, are they clear on what their business goals are? Are they hungry, you know, and, and willing to work hard? Because in any business, no matter how good the model is, there's going to come a day you've got to work hard to make it work, right? So we look for those types of things. And then the pluses are is if they have any kind of construction background, home services, so they're familiar with the building materials, things like that. Those are all pluses because it makes some of what we do a little bit easier to understand, but not requirements. We have a, you know, a husband and wife team, very successful. They were fortune 500, you know, company executives and have come in and thrived in our model. You know, do you have any fellow veterans in the organization? We have a handful. Yes, we do. Cause I can see that just like kind of the mission critical nature and like you're being deployed on the mission and like you and your team have to execute like, yeah. That's really well. Yeah, absolutely. We do. We have a few and and like many of the other franchises, we have a 15% discount on the, on our franchise fee for any veterans that we're looking to get involved. Um, but it is a great model for that because of just the systems and the structure, you know, much like I was drawn to the franchise systems of Domino's, ours are much the same. Um, but a, a veteran can, I think, really relate to the, the kind of deployment nature of what we do. It's like all of a sudden it's quiet, it's quiet. And then there's three, you know, three phone calls and bam, you have three different jobs going, you know, so. And what are we talking about? You, you mentioned 15% discount on the franchise fee. What's a franchise fee and like the overall cost to get going with that? Sure. Great question. So for a single territory, the franchise fee is 49,000. And then if you want to buy multiple territories, we have initial discounts as well as they scale up to anywhere from one to six territories. All in, if, if you're looking to get started uh, with one territory, it'd be about 190000 So that includes okay. that franchise fee, get you a van fully wrapped, um, all of your uh, equipment, supplies, computers, everything, software, everything you need, you know, going and getting your certifications taken care of and things like that. So, you know, pretty low, low bar compared to, you know, I, I work with Duncan Brands and if you were building a out parcel freestanding building outside of Walmart, you're looking at a few million dollars, right? So comparatively, ours is, is a lot a lot more affordable, I'd say. And are people usually taking an SBA loan or rolling over their retirement? What do you how do you usually see them financing that? that sure. Loan? So it really depends. We've seen the whole you know gamut of that. We've had a, quite a few SBA loans. Uh, we've had a number of self funds. We have a, a handful of our franchisees. They had an existing construction business. We just signed oh. two franchisees recently, they came from the construction field and they're looking to add the restoration services to their businesses because it kind of evens things out. I mean, we're recession resistant, you know, so the economy and interest Very rates are going out. Yeah. I mean, their, their construction businesses are probably slowing down a little bit right now with the interest rates going up. Yeah. Um, so it's a great bolt on and it gets them in the home that they can then upsell their other services later. You know, so a lot of those businesses, they, they simply self-fund. And then we've had some other people coming out of corporate America that have gone, you know, they're different creative, you know, funding vehicles with regards to 401ks or, or anything like that. So, you know, the banks. Is there anything you can share in terms of like how franchisees make money or how much franchisees make? 
Um, not specifically. You know how the world of franchising is in terms of what we can. For any prospects, we do get them that information, right? In our FDD, like any others, we have a lot of information in the item 19 and things like that. Um, but then we also link them up directly with our franchisees where they can ask very specific questions. Because those are the type of things as a, as a former operator, like in the pizza world, I would be asking, hey, what's your labor percent? You know, what do you, you know, those very specific questions. And that will vary around the country. So we tend to link them up with our franchisees to, to get those kind of uh, it's something questions. that we're finalizing at Bedded Biz, essentially like having models like buy franchise because right. it like takes some of the weight off the, the franchisor and the franchise broker. Right. And we're right. kind of able to be independent. So there's less of that dance around like what those numbers are. And they can then bring a nice Excel document to to the franchisee to review. Right. Hey, these are my assumptions. Are these are these all right? Right. That's a great idea because even even in the days when I became a franchisee and you know would validate for other people within Domino's looking to become a franchisee, they might know their franchisees' numbers, but unfortunately, sometimes not all franchisees share their numbers, right? So yeah. you'd have people who are a good manager and they were trying to figure out getting involved in what the startup costs were, and so they would you know talk to other franchisees, and I would be completely transparent with them. Um, but it's always a challenge in the franchise business model, you know. And some franchisees need to be warmed up where it's very different, like going into the conversation and being like, hey, I'm, I'm in the final stages. I really like the the UWRG franchise. I'm, I'm thinking about investing. I see labor at 22%. Is that what you're seeing? Instead of being right. like, what's labor? What, how much do you make? It's just like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking this. Is that a, it's easier to have someone say, oh, no, it's this amount. Right. No, that's true. That's true. That's a great point. And I mean, the good thing is, is that, you know, we also have a, a lot of great tools. So, you know, once you're on board, I mean, obviously you've gotten your questions answered enough to, to be comfortable with the investment. But then we have a lot of great tools internally, like when they go through the two weeks of franchise training, they literally set goals. What am I going to do my first year? And then we have tools in place that can really, I, I was just we're graduating a new franchisee today. So the last day I spent a little bit of time with them in the morning and we were talking about it and it's literally taking their goal of what they set for them as the owner and, and understanding what does that mean down to, well, how many jobs a week does that equate to? Right. Because that's what I can talk to my team about. I was going to say, that, like, what, are, what are like the most important KPIs that franchisees sure. need to be seen? I would, sure, I would imagine true. jobs per week, anything else? Yeah, I mean, we, we boiled it down to a handful of things that, you know, it, leads, you know, how many leads are you getting in? How, how well is your marketing performing to make the phone ring? You know, what's your closing percent for the opportunities you get to go out to a, a customer's home or business? What's your closing percent and, and how are, how's your team's doing? Average job size, you know, um, and things like that. So those are some of the keys that we look at. And how is the mix between servicing businesses as well as homeowners? Like, sure. is it pretty balanced across the franchise system or do you have some franchises that really focus on, on one or the other? That's a great question. So in our model, we focused heavily on residential in the beginning um, because you get a lot of repetitions. The jobs are a little bit smaller, a little bit more manageable. Uh, when you get into commercial restoration, it, it can get quite large and complex pretty quickly. If you're out there marketing for a company, you know, for commercial work, we had one job. It took seven months to complete. So, I mean, you had to imagine the, the complexity of the job, number one. Two, you know, we negotiated things like payments throughout the job because we didn't want to, you know, foot the bill for all the labor and everything in between, then wait, you know, 
till the end of the job to be paid. So there's a lot of complexities with the commercial piece. So for the first 18 months or so, we get them to focus on residential, get a lot of repetitions under their belt, get used to all the systems, processes, the software, get their team seasoned. And then at that point, if they want to continue to grow and, and venture into commercial, we have a whole set of tools, marketing materials, and some other uh, training tools to help them make that transition to also service commercial jobs. And the size of these franchise organizations in terms of headcount, like on the small end, like some of the new franchisees, like how many employees do they have? And then sure. what's it like on the on the other end, like with yeah. some of the corporate locations or some of the mega franchisees? Yeah, that's a great question. So when starting out, it really depends on on what their goals are and what role they want to play in the business. And I'll give you an example. We had a, a franchisee that just started. Um, down in McKinney, Texas, and, and they're going to do great things. I believe it was it was the franchisee and and one technician, you know. So they started, but they also they can wear multiple hats, right? So they're going to start out that way. And he's committed to to hiring a couple of the other positions, but he wants to get his hands on and learn all facets of the business. Um, I had another franchisee come on board, and and you know when he came on board, we were talking about it, and I said, "Well, listen, you're going out and doing jobs," and he said, "Bob, I don't need to." sound horrible, but he says, I don't ever want to go out on a job. He says, I want to build a business. I'm going to hire people to do all that kind of work. And I want to focus on scaling my business, you know? So for that, that gentleman, I mean, he came on board, he had a marketer, he had an admin person and he had, you know, two technicians right out of the gate so, because yeah, he wasn't more well capitalized, but if that's, that's fine, it, that's it. Right. I mean, he had different wants, business you have the system. That's it. So that's where I go back to, you know, you ask the question, what do we look for? And, and he had real clarity around what his goals were so we could help him set up, a, you know, his company in a way to meet those goals and, and set up his metrics that way. Whereas the gentleman starting off with two people, you know, he's he, he might eventually want to get larger. But in the, in the short term, he was wanting more hands on to learn all the facets of the business so we can support him in that way as well. So it could be a couple people to start. And then on the high end, once they're established, I'm going to have one that they, I think they have nine vans, box truck, you know, he has a waste removal business now because he's kept them so busy. He, you know, rather than pay another company to haul away waste after big jobs, he went ahead and invested in a waste removal company. So what do you like about it compared to the, the food industry? Sure. You know, it's interesting. So for me, I love that it's a recession resistant, right? Especially through all the things we went through, especially what we went through with COVID, where so many food establishments were hurt by that. Oh, yeah. um, you know, we did not experience that at all and, and stay busy and we're an essential business. So we didn't have that impact. Um, the other, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit of glutton for punishment and I like the randomness of it. You know, yeah. it's not just predictable. It's not, you know, you know, when I had my pizza business, it was growing and you had unpredictable days, but I could tell you, we tracked it enough where I could tell you on a Friday, Hey, we're going to do 400 pizzas an hour for three hours straight, you know, and then the next hour is going to drop down to, to 190, you know, it roughly, you know, and it would, it would be close to that. And it was kind of exciting and you have to build to it here. I had a franchisee call me and he was freaking out a little bit. He's like, Bob, this was on a Monday. He said, Bob, my phone has not rung since Thursday afternoon. And I said, listen, you're doing all the right things. You know, this is our business. And I said, just keep doing the right things. Trust me, it'll turn around. Well, he called me Tuesday afternoon and he was freaking out again. And I thought, okay, his phone has not rung anymore. And he says, no, Bob. He says, if I get another job right now, I have no equipment left in my warehouse. I, I have nothing. So literally he went from the phone not ringing for a number of days and his crews not busy at all 
to, I have no more equipment that if I get another job and I'm going to have to go buy more or rent more equipment. <laughs> so how does it work? Like those first initial clients, you met, you know, they're really working the relationships of the local community. Do you, is there also like Google ads or SEO campaigns? How, how are they able to get like a nice lead mix, especially yeah. in the first year? That's a, that's a great question. So we, we work both angles. We have heavy presence in the field marketing out there trying to establish relationships in the marketplace. But I also have a great uh, director of digital marketing that, you know, each of our franchisees, they get two websites um, and they, you know, get the strong support in terms of social media and the content and things like that because they're busy trying to grow a business. So we have a team with tools in place that we can help post for them. And then some franchisees get really into it and they do a lot of their own posting, you know, so that's kind of ideal case scenario. Um, but we, we, you know, work as hard as we can to, you know, stay ahead of that Google algorithm and, and stay on that first page of Google. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, we have a few different web properties and uh, if you're not really staying on top of it and you don't have that network, I'm sure having a bunch of franchisees selling the same service kind of helps yeah, see what yeah. the, those trends are for firsthand. Yeah, it does. And, you know, having our corporate locations, we've had a website for our corporate locations for a long time. So a brand new franchisee, that, that one that just opened up down in Texas, he was ranking right out of the gate That's on awesome. our corporate website just because of how long that website has been around the authority in Google's eyes. And, and you know, it, it was helpful for, for them in that, in that sense to have. It. So with like two really websites young. and the Google My Listing, it will be like all roads lead to United Water Restoration Group. Try to. Try to. That's our, that's our goal, you know. And I and and I've got a great great team over there with that easy young guy. He's not an old guy like me. So if you had a, a digital marketing director and he old like I am, I'd be a little suspect. This guy's you know he's young and he's you know he's funny. So many things. I, I'm I think pretty tech savvy, but there's so many little things that he'll from time to time. Bob, there's a better way of doing that. Well, okay. Bob, is there is there <laughs> much that we haven't gone through today that you think prospective franchisees should should know about? No, I I, th I think we've touched on a lot of great bases. I, I I think the only thing that I would reiterate is that we're still in the restoration space. Um, you know, our owners they own corporate locations still, and we're actually getting ready to uh, announce they're going to expand into a, a a market. We haven't inked the deal yet, so I can't say which one. Um, but they're going to be franchisees and and franchisor. So they believe enough in the concept that they are investing in, in a long-term corporate employee to help them become a franchisee and realize their dream. But they, you know, will become franchisees and franchisors. And they've told me in no uncertain terms that we'll always have restoration business. We love this business. So I love having that in, in my co-owners and, and, you know, the knowledge we get from that and, and just the, you know, that feeling that we're in the same business as our franchisees. I love that. Bob, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you or, or your team if they're interested in exploring a franchise opportunity? That's awesome. The quickest way is to jump on our website, uwrgfranchise.com, and you can just fill out a quick card on there. There's phone numbers on there. You can reach out either way, whichever you feel like, and we'll be back in touch. Perfect. We'll be sure to include that in the, the show notes if people are listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or also on YouTube. We'll be sure to include that link, Bob. Thanks for joining and look forward to following your continued growth across the United States. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks for your time today and the opportunity to be on. Appreciate it, Bob.
I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. You can leave us a review. If you enjoyed the podcast episode, if you hated the podcast episode, let us know what you thought as well as what future episodes you'd like to hear. Feel free to also drop me a line at patrick at vettedbiz.com and subscribe please to our YouTube channel, Business and Franchise Opportunities by Vetted Biz. This has been Franchise Findings Podcast. Thanks for listening.